Welcome to the Lightly Literary Podcast, the Thoughtful Book Club podcast featuring two friends. I'm Travis, joined as always by my co-host Amanda. Hey Amanda. Hello. Welcome back. We're burning the midnight oil, literally. Yeah. <laughs> Late night episode for us. This is a book recommendation episode that you've stumbled upon, dear listener. So if you've never listened to our podcast before, as I mentioned, we are the Lightly Literary Podcast. You can find our social media accounts up at Facebook and Instagram. You can follow us there for updates on books we're reading, reading schedule, basic stuff like that. One of these weeks, Amanda, I will get us back on track. Maybe <laughs> this is the weekend. It's There's been so many promising ones. This is the one. <laughs> you never know. It'll be fine. Yeah, you never know. It's fine. But we do those are active accounts. So yeah, please follow us there. Wherever you found us, whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on, it could be any number of them. We appreciate the listen. As I mentioned, this is a book recommendation episode, so let's talk about what that means. This is when we will broadly um, overview, kind of take an overview of a book and try and recommend it or really persuade you to read it with us over the course of the next two weeks. We'll be posting two episodes on the novel in front of us, which is called Burnt Shadows by Camilla Shamsi. Probably should have led with that, but that's the book we're talking about today. It's a novel, <laughs> again, called Burnt Shadows by Camilla Shamsi. And yeah, this is our attempt to persuade you to read it with us. We'll post two book clubs over the next two weeks, and hopefully you can listen along. Amanda chose this book right yeah you chose I this did. book for sure i don't this is the part i do the worst at my memory and this is uh, quite bad <laughs> but i chose the <laughs> i chose the prompt so amanda the prompt was to pick a book or an author that you believe should be considered a classic which was actually a prompt you'd given me before so you picked this book based on that prompt could you talk to the readers or uh, listeners rather let's not assume they're readers yet listeners for now <laughs> as to why you <laughs> chose this one what was this uh, pick about um, I had um, read this book when I was going through my grad school, and I fell in love with it. And so um, thinking of a classic, I remembered reading it and thinking, man, this is something that I think that a lot of people should read, um, not just from a stylistic perspective, but because of the themes that I uh, was studying at the time. So I thought that it was a really important book. And with classics, I, f I figure you want something that is stylistically beautiful, but also thematically um, important, significant. So gotcha. I thought it's, it checked off both of those. So yeah. that's why I chose that one. It does need to be a classic, right? It does need to be kind of emblematic of a time period dealing right. with usually big ideas, though not always. Emily Dickinson, was she dealing with big ideas? I guess just death. Maybe the biggest idea. A lot of death, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe that is in some ways, yeah, she had the biggest ideas in mind. But this is certainly, I would say, politically or philosophically big. History big. Kind of grand yeah. history, anyway. Let's not spoil the next section. So yeah, that's the book we're going to be recommending today. Stick around for the next 25 minutes and we'll do our best to persuade you. We'll begin with our first segment of Persuasion, the Rapid Fire Recommendations. This is when we quickly bounce descriptions of the book back and forth. I should say this podcast is 100% designed not to spoil major things. So if you're spoiler averse, you are again in the perfect place for a recommendation. So we're going to be speaking you know, quite broadly about the book and its ideas and themes. Amanda, start us off with your first rapid fire recommendation. Yeah, uh, you should read this book if you enjoy narrative globetrotting. Oh, yeah. Great place to start. We've got Japan. We've got India. We've got Pakistan got america am i missing any canada afghanistan turkey afghanistan, yeah, canada turkey yeah all kinds of places show up in this story and it is in that sense very grandiose i'm going to transition that into mine i think you should read this book if you enjoy novels that are in the classic sense epic like in, in really in a classic sense a novel 
epic in historical scope, grandiose in its ideas and its approach to humanity and human life. Historical scope, definitely with from the 1940s all the way up to the 2000s. So, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you should read this book if the effects of imperialism and Western culture on the East are interesting to you. Yeah, I think it has some ideas about that. Perhaps even a thesis, it perhaps even dares upon a, a, the novel, has a point of view about that. But it's complicated, to be sure, and the characters yeah. fight against those forces or with them sometimes in very different ways. So it's, yeah, those are ideas that it loves to, those are at the forefront, I guess. I was going to say it loves to explore them. Let's not personify the novel now. <laughs> it it yeah. puts those at the forefront, Shamsi does. So, yeah. I think you should read this book if you're interested in inherited or generational trauma. That's a great one, and and that would be a whole new way to kind of approach this book, too, different from the way that I read it this time around. Mm-hmm. So maybe the third time I read it, that's what I'll focus on. There you go. Yeah, always <laughs> a new lens. Always a new lens. <laughs> um, you should read this book if you want a non-American point of view on some of America's past actions. It's a crucial point to bring up, too, because it's America is kind of a specter in a lot of the book. It looms large, but doesn't always directly interfere in things, though. You know, there's direct stuff with America, too. So I think that's an excellent, excellent way to put it or phrase it, I think is what I meant to say. That it's, yeah, America is involved, but also not always at the fore. So interesting. I think you should read this book. If you've thought to yourself ever, this whole America experiment might not be working out so well. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That, that ties in really well, I think, with uh, some of the themes that you and I discuss in the, in the pod. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you should read this book if you love beautiful writing. Yeah, not much to say there. At least no, I couldn't say anything as beautiful to, as to match the writing, right, on the pod. Right. So I'll just stammer and stumble my way into saying I completely agree. It's incredibly confidently written. And the opening scene, the opening section, I guess I should call it, has some really potent stuff in it. Maybe some of the best, though, you know, mm-hmm. it's a long novel with a lot of great writing. So if you enjoy that part, I would say stick with it would be the short version. Oh, yeah. I think you should read this book if you enjoy Quiet Romances. I like that. I like especially the adjective quiet there. That's, yeah, it's it's not going to be like, you know, the Harlequin romance novels or anything like that, but there's definitely love and romance are pretty important, I think, to um, a large portion of the novel, for sure. Um, I think that you should read this book if you appreciate the power of language. Yeah, and I think, let me add on to that, let me hijack your, no, let me take over nice. your, uh, <laughs> do, my, do my colonialism on your interpretation, no. I, I just think <laughs> I would add literary language, because I do think it's, you You can enjoy this novel in so many ways, but if you have at least a little bit of a lit- literary eye for even basic things, symbols and stuff like that, it's really helpful because the novel has a lot of big ideas and intersects a lot of different perspectives and characters. So I just think you have to be alert, maybe not astute or something, but definitely alert. And it helps to have the the eye for literary language, I would say. And even like the, the characters themselves there, the appreciation for language as well is pretty important mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple that, yeah, there's a couple characters that's a crucial part of their development, too. Well yeah. said. Final recommendation, Rapid Fire. I think you should read this book if you have an interest in cultural exchange. 
Yes, yes. Uh, so much discussion. There's a lot of stuff in there that I learned about uh, the first time and the second time that I read it again. Um, that it was, I was like, oh, yeah. I do remember reading this part about the cultural aspect of this. And it's just, it's really great to be able to learn something like that. Definitely. Yeah, so many different cultures intermingling in this book. That's a, It's a big mm-hmm. project. Let's move now to the second segment of Persuasion, the reading similes. This is where we will compare the reading experience of Burnt Shadows to something. Usually these are pretty strange or creative. Amanda, why don't you give us your simile first? What is reading Burnt Shadows like? Uh, mine is like super short. <laughs> reading mm-hmm. this is like visiting a monument. It's full of beauty. There's It's full of uh, meaning and significance um, and importance and also full of history. Yeah, and let me just tack on interpretations. It's sturdy. This is just a sturdy, yeah. it's a book of confidence and sturdiness. It just feels like someone, the author, Camille Shamsey in this case, had a clear vision and executed it with pretty thorough confidence or something. So it's, yeah, yeah it has a has a solidity to it that a monument would have, or, you know, a like well-made that. one yeah. would have. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, a very fitting simile. Yeah. I said that reading this is like having a kind of amiable, thoughtful guide in a new city or even to match the ideas of the book, A New Country. There are so many things that are can be overwhelming, especially if you're out of your language barriers. And so if you're not an expert care, you might miss things. You might not be able to interpret certain things the right way. You might overlook something or ignore something you shouldn't. And so... I think the book also had, does have some charm and style in its characters. It has really clever moments. It's I wouldn't say it's witty or humorous, but it's very alive with humanity. It's pretty fair to its characters and rounds them out well and doesn't, you know, it gives them moments of real joy and human kind of connection and everything. So I, I just think it has that friendliness. And really, the reason for this simile in my mind was that because it is filled and kind of rife with big picture, capital B ideas, like big ideas... It, you need it to be confidently delivered if it's going to be this ambitious, and I really think it is. It has a kind of has a kind of craftsmanship, craftswomanship. Are we doing feminism that way? <laughs> are we are we renaming just words? I don't. I can't. I've, yeah. Anyway, that was a lame, <laughs> lame phrase. I'm like way, too too many waves behind on that one. That's for sure. Not what should be said. But it just is so well crafted. So despite my fumbling the uh, craftsmanship of it, but yeah, that's my simile. Yeah, it is very beautifully written and planned out. And I, I like the idea of an amiable and thoughtful guide. So amiable, the characters, the the main character, especially, you just like fall in love with it. And, and the character development is amazing. Um, yeah. And you feel yeah. really strongly for many of these characters. And then thoughtful, for sure, because it's thought-provoking. The, the mm-hmm. themes that she explores and also the... Um, the consistent motifs throughout as well that are really thought out. Everything about this screams both thoughtful and beautifully written. Yes. Yeah, certainly. It's almost, we, you know, we just wrapped up our part two. This is always how we record. So production note for you uh, listeners, <laughs> but we just got off of a really long discussion about the ending of the book. 
I almost feel like we downplayed because the some of the characters in the back end of the book have to do some pretty heavy symbolic kind of lifting and hold up ideas. I do think we almost undervalued one of the main characters' developments throughout. It's it was really well done, and she's got such a life to her, uh, Hiroko, yeah. one of the main characters. That yeah, I don't know. I think we almost uh, this was really on me in my reading, but I almost put her in kind of a symbol box and kind of ignored the the rich language around her and everything. It, it is really well done. So yeah, yeah worth saying on the recommendation for sure. Let's move now then to the third segment, the scripted pitch. Amanda and I have both prepared a brief piece of writing, usually around 200 words, just to try and again, convince you to read this or tell you what's good about it or great about it. Amanda, why don't you start with your scripted pitch for Burnt Shadows? Sure. Burnt Shadows definitely deserves to be a classic and is a book that I've recommended and will continue to recommend to anyone. Shamsi wrote this so beautifully and cohesively that even if a reader is uninterested in the plot or the theme, the writing itself will compel her to continue reading. But really, who wouldn't enjoy the plot? Seriously, the story itself would be enough to pull readers through the novel. There's love, family drama, war, misguided teens, espionage, and inner conflicts. It is a story that is both action-packed and thoughtful. A lot happens in the narrative, but for me, the most memorable parts were the ones that focused on the thoughts and development of the characters. What really makes this novel a must-read is that not only is it beautifully written with a fascinating plot, but it is also thematically important. It asks the reader to really think about what patriotism is, what bigotry is, and what makes one life, or a percentage of lives, more important than another's. This book encourages us to take a closer look at our beliefs and our world, which, in my opinion, keeps this book always at the forefront of my book recommendations. Yeah, the mentions of patriotism and bigotry, intersections of those things and themes, it really is a... It's it's a well accomplished piece of art just because I every time I want to say this is a really thematically rich project that has it has big ideas then I just remember so many passages of character just sheer writing virtuoso virtuosity and character development and everything and it's every time you think it could just be a book of ideas then it becomes a book of great literary writing and vice versa right. so it really yeah it does it really marries those things well so I think that's really well said All right, I can offer this pitch. I will give Burnt Shadows a compliment best used for any expertly crafted thing, whether it's a coffee table or a glass vase or even like a luxury car. There are times when you're reading it that you simply forget and don't notice how well made it is. It is a novel then that no matter its ambitions is written with total comfort and command. It's essential that this is true or should be true as it is a story grand in scope and brimming with ideas about like patriotism and nationalism as you noted, about safety, about love, about family. So I really grew to admire its ambition though I'll admit I had to kind of purposely slow myself down at times to better appreciate some subtleties at play. I think you can get whisked away if you allow yourself to find the rhythm of this book, mostly for the better, I would say, too. It's just so smoothly and expertly made. It's a novel that opens with as perfect a metaphor as you'd hope. The United States drops the atomic bomb on um, Nagasaki, well, Hiroshima and then Nagasaki, and sort of the rippling devastation and destruction of that begins the plot, so it really is a very propulsive in the most horrific way, like opening, death and destruction, and 
love and connection are created in the wake of the bomb, and the novel does not shy away from, and I'd say rather boldly, maybe a bit clumsily at times too, confronts these themes like rigorously throughout. And even though it spans generations, its coherence and style and storytelling are so consistently and confidently displayed, I, you really can't help but admire it. And so I do think it, at the ending, maybe doesn't hold up quite as well as the beginning. And I do think it's a bit more dense and asks maybe a bit more than other books we've covered recently. I just think this is art that's well made and therefore is well worth the commitment and is worth exploring. So not perfect, but excellent is my final yeah, word. Um... <laughs> I think that it's definitely, I, I think it's a good thing that you pointed out that it is more dense than some of the other books that we've been reading lately. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so worth the effort. So worth it. I mean, there's a reason why I, I think that it should be a classic. And there's a reason that she was a, a finalist for uh, one of the book awards as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a few of them too. And I will say I can give a concrete experience. I distinctly remember the first maybe 10 pages. I don't know if I was coming off of, I, you know, in my own time, I try and read books in addition to the ones we do in the pod. I think I was just coming off of a couple pretty light sci-fi books, pretty light genre stuff, nothing crazy. And it took me 10 or 15 pages to think, you just have to read differently, like turn off the music in the background or you just like give it a little more attention. I don't think it's work. Mm -hmm. It's not James Joyce. It's not Virginia Woolf or something. It's not like you're going to be at pains with your brain. It's it's quite readable. And again, there are sentences of just really sublime writing, but it's also, you can't do this with the TV on in the background or something. You can't For just, sure. you can't skim half a paragraph because you know it's going to be just, in my in my case, like nonsense sci-fi jargon and some action. Like, you can't just blitz through it in that sense. And I, it did take me a second to shift gears with the book. And so... Yeah. yeah. And you wouldn't want to do it that way either. You don't want to skim these passages just because the language is, is so beautiful. It's, it's mm -hmm. really great uh, stylistically. It's, it's well worth focusing on the actual book yeah i think that what it asks is quite fair and what it rewards is kind of worth the commitment as i said so yeah mm -hmm. i stand by that all right let's move now to the final <laughs> section we've talked about the book a lot at this point so we're going to end with the always final section for recommendations that is the quote for clarification each of us is going to read a quote from the story just to give you a direct sense of its writing style the things that it wants to do its concerns and everything else I will say this. I'm going to have you go first. I know I've put you on first throughout all of these segments, but this is the first time this has ever happened. You and I pulled the exact same quote for this section. Really? <laughs> you, yeah, and I literally had to... I actually typed it up, and then... Because I, I usually don't read your stuff. This is another production note people maybe don't care about. But we, we I try and keep our things separate, even though we're in the same document, just because I do want my reactions on the podcast to be pure. I don't want to, yeah. like, memorize all your thoughts and then have made up, you know what I mean? I want the reaction right. to be authentic. So it's I genuinely don't look at your stuff. And then for some reason on this one, I think it's because I went to type some of the quote and then I thought, I don't, you know, that takes time. I just put the page. I'm lazier than you are. And I noticed yours. And then I was like, oh, shit, we can't pull the same one. <laughs> we really shouldn't. <laughs> but that's why I'm going to have you go first. I don't think that had ever happened. I think you and I were just both quite moved by the intensity of the opening, you know, like 30 pages or what have you. Oh, yeah. So. For sure. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so take it away. Beginning. <laughs> um, it's on page 28 for me. Uh, so much to learn, the touch of dead flesh, the smell. She has just located where the acrid smell comes from. 
of dead flesh. The sound of fire. Who knew fire roared so angrily, ran so quickly? It is running up the slopes now. Soon it will catch her. Not just her back. All of her will be Urakami Valley. Diamond from carbon. She briefly imagines herself a diamond, all of Nagasaki, a diamond cutting open the earth, falling through to hell. Um, yeah, just just a lot to unpack here. We we get the after effects of the the bombing, and it's it's gruesome, and but it's not to the point where it makes you sick to read about, right? But it's mm-hmm. it's definitely going to have an effect on you. This the the senses, the the dead smell, both the feeling and the smell of it, the the dead flesh and and the sounds, right? So it's it's engaging all of your senses and this feeling of almost like otherworldliness of like what the hell just happened. Um and then the the diamond um her imagining herself a diamond is interesting too because diamonds are really hard materials and and Hiroko as as you'll find out if you read the book it's Hiroko is a very unique character in a lot of ways and she's definitely a survivor um and so she the the diamond imagery here is pretty fitting i think in a lot of ways but yeah yeah just Great writing. Well, it recalls the. We did this book club a long time ago now, but it really does recall the Underground Railroad, Colson Whitehead. Mm. Do you remember doing yes. that? Of course. Yes, How could we forget? A, of course, I, yeah. yeah amazing right. novel. <laughs> but I the it, that it doesn't lack intensity, but feels respectful and cautioned, you know, or very or cautious. I suppose it's yeah. it's writing that has brutality to it in the right moments, but also kind of is restrained, not gratuitous, and thoughtful. Has has some right. interesting images that you know, leave you with things to consider. And obviously in this case, some complicated diamond is a complicated image for sure. And hell and violence imagery and smells. And yeah, I don't know. It's very intense. And the opening of the book delivers on that for sure. I, you know, I, I feel conflicted about including that quote though. I, I say we stick with it cause it's so well written. I just, I had such a strong reaction to this novel cause I knew I didn't even read the back when I picked it up. I told you this, but yeah. I, so I didn't even know that it was opening with this idea or this moment. So the tension building up to it and then the delivery of these lines and there's a couple pages of the fallout of it, the immediate fallout that, yeah, I don't know. It really hit me. And I, that's what I think sucked me into the narrative. It really intensely. I just thought I have to see where this goes now. So yeah. anyway, not, I wouldn't call that a spoiler because if you read the back cover, it spoils way more than that. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. it's like, I can't, I look at that quote and I think, gosh, is that a spoiler? My reaction to it was so pure and intense but i don't think so because the yeah they clearly want you to know more than being the publishers or whatever so anyway i pulled a quote from much later in the story from 134 when um hiroko is married to another character at that point Eh, kind of a light spoiler there but you know love comes and goes there's sometimes marriage anyway this is a, a paragraph where she's reflecting on her time and her years It reads, Sometimes when Hiroko looked back on the first years of marriage, what she saw most clearly was a series of negotiations between his notion of a home as a social space and her idea of it as a private retreat, between his belief that she would be welcomed by the people they lived among if she wore their clothes, celebrated their religious holidays, and her insistence that they would see it as false and had to learn to accept her on her own terms. 
between his determination that a man should provide for his wife and her determination to teach, between his desire for ease and her instinct towards rebellion. It was clear to her that the success of their marriage was based on their mutual ability to abide by the results of those negotiations with no bitterness over who had lost more ground in individual encounters. And also, Sajat had added, taking her hand, when she once told him this, it helped that they found each other better company than anyone else in the world. Other things helped too, Hiroko whispered back, late at night. Couple things in the quote, couple reasons I wanted to pull it. So, I think one of the novel's big ideas, topics, concerns is cultural exchange, cultural mi mixing, and the idea of nations or nationalism, religion plays a big part in the book too. And so this whole, you know, what do you adapt to, who adapts to whom, the way Hiroko plays into that too is, by the end of the story, pretty complex. Her role in just the world and in this story's focus is intricate. I think to say more would spoil stuff, so I'll refrain. But I do think I wanted to pull the quote to show that's top of mind for her in the development of people. A couple style notes other than that long list of this kind of back and forth compare contrast kind of writing she she does indulge in that it is it, i wouldn't say long-winded writing but she does allow herself you know she gives her narrative time to breathe and definitely indulges in details backgrounds it makes the writing richer and the character stories richer too and of course she observes relationships in this very clear-eyed manner that almost there were times when i almost felt it was too direct but taken on the whole, it really works, especially given the scope, because the novel does some massive time jumps and really gets ambitious with its scope and ideas and everything. So I think that passages like this can read maybe a little too fast or summary at first, but once you start to see the interesting moments within him, the language, the little descriptions, that little ending, right? It's a long paragraph of summary background. And then it ends with that nice little romantic, just little gesture, little twist. And it's those kind of subtleties that make you know that you're in confident hands and that even even if the pace picks up at times or maybe the scope, I don't know, becomes big or feels overwhelming or whatever, it, it all feels very confident. So lots in that quote to, I don't know, enjoy or be representative. Any thoughts on that one? Yeah, the the back and forth there, the compare and contrast um, uh, between the two, it, it reveals a lot about their perspectives on each other and their relationship, especially compared to other couples that we might encounter in the novel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And we also see some other examples um, of that particular writing style in other places in the novel. And I just, I really enjoy that, that she takes the time, that Camilla Shamsey takes the time to really allow her style to shine through and to really like take the time to develop her style in in this novel yeah certainly it's it is just a confidently done book in the and again i'll go back to this description from earlier in the almost most classic sense of what the novel is i think in many modern readers imaginations just a big book with big ideas. Not overly long, though. I think we've set our limit at around 400 pages. I would just refuse any pick bigger. <laughs> I think Amanda yeah. maybe would would get on board, but I'm the one who's, you know, keeping the page count watch or whatever. <laughs> but I get it's, it. <laughs> yeah, at least for, you know, we got two weeks to turn this thing around. You know, I'll read the long books in my off time, I guess. But anyway, so it's, you know, it's 377 in my copy. I think it's it crams so much ambition in that. And, and in that sense, it really is novelistic. It's This would be one where I look at this book and think, you can't film this you know you couldn't this couldn't be a film or i'm sure i'm sure somebody could try but that's kind of my mental with it mentality with it yeah okay any final thoughts or bits of persuasion on burnt shadows by camilla shamsey 
just just read it. You will not be disappointed. It's it's a great yeah. book. It's an amazing book. For sure. Yeah. I think we both had a pretty strong reaction to in part one. So coming up from when you'll hear this this Friday. And yeah, that's we, we come out strong. So if you're still on the fence, maybe listen to a little bit of that for some spoiler talk or something, and maybe then we'll further persuade you. If, however, we were unsuccessful today on you reading this novel, we do have other books coming up. Amanda, why don't you take this section away? This will just be yours now. <laughs> oh, what are, what are okay. the, yeah, this is, I'm just offloading this to you. This is, I believe, good managerial skills on my part, you know, in the midst sure, of the it, pod, you, randomly assigning you a task with no <laughs> warning. So, is it, is it because you don't uh, want to say the names just in case? <laughs> 100%. No, it's 100% why. <laughs> you nailed it. And it's because of the shame of. I know home going you I you corrected me la- the first time I tried it and I definitely did not remember it and now <laughs> out of shame I will do what any good manager does is I'm turning my shame into more work for you so <laughs> so take it away <laughs> <laughs> um, so next up will be true grit by Charles Portis and after that will be home going by ya Jesse but uh, you spell her last name g-y-a-s-i and finally, They Both Die at the End by Adam Silvera. Excellent. And for the first episode of Burnt Shadows, where what are we doing? Where do we go to? Uh, we're doing the first half of the book, which is um, through chapter 18. Yes. Okay. Excellent. You Again, you're way more on top of that than I am. That does escape <laughs> my um, memory at times. So, Excellent. Okay. And yeah, I don't have any other persuasive words. It's a great novel. We really hope you join us for that one. Uh, if not, we have other books coming up. Um, we always ask, of course, that you recommend and rate the podcast, tell your friends about us, family, coworkers, whatever, people who want to live a literary life. And again, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We always appreciate that. And until next time, we'll see you between the pages.